Good morning. Hello. Hello, hello. And uh, as my welcome to Vince's, if you're here for the first time, if you're visiting, if you're on holiday, a warm welcome to you. My name's Toby, if I've not met you before, and it's good to meet you sort of now uh, from a distance. Um, last week, what happened last week? Who knows what happened last week on the Norfolk showground? One of you knew. Excellent. Um, so New Day is a festival for um, youth, like 11 to 19, I think is the kind of age range. And there were, um, we had the joy of being up there every day last week. Um, and there were around, I don't know, 6,000, 7,000 people up on the showground, young people, as well as those serving their socks off um, all week. And um, it's normally in a big top as well. It's normally in a massive tent. And that's a key part of New Day. In fact, where we live, we always drive down the A47, and you can see the big top as you drive down. That's been part of our experience over the years. And this year, no big top. Because it got, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but anyway, no big top. So it was all open air, and thankfully, it didn't rain at all. Amazingly so. Um, but it was a really great time, and I just want to say, just I'm sure you know who served on the week, who's here, who isn't totally exhausted. <laughs> well done for being here this morning. There's others who are probably resting um, at home or whatever. And um, can we just say a huge thank you to those that serve? Because give them a round of applause. Because honestly, the the amount it takes to put on New Day. And yet, the thing, great things that come from it, there are just so many stories. I mean, we would just you know of some in Norwich. We were uh, visiting Norwich side. But we also popped into Lowestoft site while we were there as well and said hello to the guys there. And one of my favorite moments, actually, was seeing Sam um, cooking in true Sam style. So we got a photo here. We can't really enlarge it. can't see it very well. Can you see what he's doing there? He's got a drill, a hand drill, 18-volt hand drill, and he's whipping cream. <laughs> Genius. Absolute genius. Honestly, I thought, well, that's, that's actually, that's good. That's a really good idea. <laughs> you know, so next time you, you want, you're trying to whip some cream and you haven't got one of those electric whiskers, there's your answer. Whack your whisker in the end of your drill. Job done. It was also quite amusing. Um, but they did, they worked so hard. And the quality of food on LCC site, I was impressed. Like, pavlo- they pavlova. Like, like homemade pavlova at New Day. Who does that? Uh, but they did. Anyway, so very impressed with them and so grateful as well. And um, trust that there'll be some great stories coming out of it. So let me tell you about Lisa and Adam. You don't know them, I don't think. You've probably never heard of this couple. Um, but they had a really great day back in January 2019. So what they enjoyed doing, they enjoyed going out in a field and um, having a walk around a field, but with metal detectors. And they were in a field, in an undisclosed location, and as they're going around with these metal detectors, they get a little bleep, and so they have a little look underneath, and what is it? And they discovered a coin. And it wasn't like a 10p piece or a 50p piece, it looked like quite an old coin. And so they kind of kept scanning, and they looked again, and they found another, beep, another coin. And then another coin, and then another coin. And I won't go on because around 2,528 coins later, they discovered a treasure trove that was worth around five million pounds. Not bad morning's work by any stretch of the imagination. The result of that, they'd been doing treasure hunting for 15 years. They'd never come across anything like this. How would you feel at that moment? 
Overjoyed? No? Yeah. Who wouldn't be smiling? <laughs> yeah? You're smiling now just thinking about it, aren't you? Oh, five million. Yeah, all this treasure. Wow. They said this. It will totally change our lives. We will be able to buy our own property. It's freedom. I was slightly disappointed when I read that bit. The pyro, I thought, well, is that all? <laughs> that's all you can think of. You know, but anyway, they, they totally change our lives. They say it's freedom. They discovered this treasure, and they're saying it is freedom. Treasure has an effect on us. Yeah? Doesn't it? Just the way you were smiling, even thinking about treasure, it has an effect on our lives. So what is treasure? And that can be a good or bad thing. But what is treasure? What is treasure? How would you describe it? Well, it's something valuable, isn't it? It could be an object. It could be a coin. It could be a relationship. Sometimes people say, oh, I treasure my relationship with that person. I treasure it. It's something valuable to us. It could be uh, a job. You treasure your job. I love my job. I treasure it. It could be a memory that you have. Just one of those moments in life with someone you love and you have a memory that you treasure. And it puts a smile on your face. It has an effect on you. That is what treasure does. It has an effect on us. It delivers something to us. We value it, and then it delivers something to us, just like it did for Lisa and Adam when they found this treasure. It might be it delivers happiness. It might be that treasure delivers a sense of security in our lives. It might be joy. It might be peace. It might be treasure that gives you a sense of hope. It might be treasure that gives you a connection with someone. I was thinking of this in terms of like a a family heirloom or something like that, that you might treasure it. Not necessarily because of the worth of the heirloom, but because of what it represents. We treasure those things. You know, I treasure my wedding ring, not because it's uh, worth anything. It's not actually worth that much, is it? (laughs) Not in terms of monetary value. talking here. But in terms of what it represents, it's huge to me. And so I would say I treasure this ring. And so we treasure all sorts of things, and it has an effect on us. And TK Maxx, they get this. Have a look at this. Can you put the next slide? There it is. So this was given away. I ripped it in there. I thought, actually, no, that's quite good. <laughs> so I took a photo of it. Seek and you shall find. So TK Maxx are now quoting the Bible in their advertising. Uh, register now for an exciting rewards program. Um, treasure is made for you because we know you love seeking out one-off gems and big brands, blah, 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 blah. Ignore that. I don't advertise TK Maxx particularly. But the point is this. They get the power of treasure. They get it that it transforms us from one state to another. That's what treasure does. And that's what they want you to have with the little rewards that you get. You know, whether it's the little rewards you get, I don't know, certain coffee establishments around the place. You get your reward and you get your reward card. We understand this concept of little treasures and what they do in our lives. I'm going to explore a little parable. We're going to read one verse from the Bible today. And uh, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 44. So if you've got a Bible, do turn to it or put your phone on and flick to it or whatever. And we're going to read this just one verse uh, in a moment. And just to put a bit of context around this as well. So this verse is um, part of around seven parables, these stories that Jesus tells. And um, a parable, how would you describe a parable? You'd have to shout it out, but I wonder how you describe it. It's a story, yeah. And it's a particular type of story as well. It's a, 
the, the word kind of means like a placing beside some people. say so you place one thing beside another to paint a picture of something else, to describe something to someone, sometimes like a little bit of a riddle almost or something like that. So you might use um, language about one thing, which as, isn't actually talking about the thing you're talking about, but it does describe it, if that makes sense. So let me give you an example. And don't shout out the answer if you know it. It's a riddle, all right? You ready? I have a bed but can't sleep. A mouth but can't speak, and I can run but not walk. What am I? I have a bed, I can't sleep. A mouth, I can't speak. And I can run, but I can't walk. I said don't shout it out. (laughs) Couldn't help yourselves, could I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm kidding. But the point is, what happens when you hear that? Yes, it's a river. Exactly right. Exactly right. It's a river. But what do you do when you hear something like that? Try and answer it. You think about it, don't you? You think, oh, I've got to think about this. What, what could this be? You sort of lean into it, hopefully. That's what these things do. And Jesus' stories were meant to have this kind of, exert this kind of power on us, as it were, in terms of, pull, they're meant to pull us in, make us think and lean into. And that's why if you go back in chapter 36 of verse 13, when Jesus told the parable of the sower, I think it is, and the disciples come to him afterwards and they say, we totally get it. Is that what they say? No. They don't say we totally get it. They say, we don't get it. But can you please explain it to us? And to explain it means to open up something to our understanding that we previously didn't see. That's what it means to explain something. And so they're saying, please, Jesus, open this up to our understanding so we get this. And in the same way, as I read this one verse in a minute, it's not a bad prayer to pray. Because that's what disciples do. If you're a follower of Jesus, disciples are those that lean into Jesus and pray prayers like, please help me understand this. Please help me get this. And so, should we pray that first? Okay. Lord, I do pray that. As we do what these disciples did when they first heard these stories, they leant into you. They sort of leaned forward and said, help us understand. We don't quite get this. We're hearing it and we're thinking about it, but we don't quite get it. Now we want to lean into you, Jesus, and understand more fully. And I pray that this morning, that that would take place for every single one of us here, wherever we're at with you, whether we believe in you or not. Lord, I pray that we walk out of here with a deeper knowledge of who you are and what you've done. Amen. So here's the verse. Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and then hid it again. And from joy over all over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Simple verse. You may have heard it before. Kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in the field. A man found it, hid it again from joy over that treasure. Very happy about finding it. Put a smile on his face. Sells the field. Sells all he has and buys the field. Okay. What is this talking about? Well, again, six of these seven these parables start with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. So again, this is the putting alongside thing in parables. He's, um, Jesus is placing images and things alongside and saying, well, it's like this. So like a river is like that, and we talked about, yeah? Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. But then what do we mean by the kingdom of heaven? We've got to be able to work that out first, haven't we? What do we mean by that? It's a very common phrase Jesus uses. Sometimes kingdom of God is used. Well, what do we mean by kingdom? Well, we, you know, the united kingdom. Why are we called a kingdom? 
Because people reigned over us. That's right. We had kings and queens and they ruled over. They were the ultimate authority over the UK. And so that's why we have things called kingdoms. And it's a kingdom that you're born into. I was born into the United Kingdom. I wasn't born into another kingdom elsewhere, another country. I was born into the United Kingdom. And these kings, these queens, those in authority, and I know we don't have this anymore, but they, they ruled over for good or for bad. And in fact, if you were under a good king... That's not a bad thing. Sometimes we kick against these things. Oh, I don't want anyone over me. Well, we're not the ultimate authority ourselves. We'll get to that. We all have things that rule over us and so on. But the kingdom of heaven is God's good rule. It's God's will, his ways, God's word being worked out in our lives, those that are Christ's followers' lives in the world. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. It's God's ways, but his rule in our lives. And it's a kingdom that we're born into as well, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the rule of God in our lives. Colossians 1.13 says, God rescued us, what, from the dominion of darkness. So dominion, the word kingdom isn't used there, but like a, a place where you are under a rule, as it were. But it's a darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son or the son that he loves, it says in probably the NIV in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So it's a kingdom that we're born into, that we, when we become a Christ follower, the Bible says you're you're, you're born from above, uh, or born again can be the word there as well. Um, 1 Peter talks about that you're born again into a living hope. So you're born into it. You've got to, it means that you're no longer living. There's some poem, old poem, isn't there, that sort of has that phrase in it, that I'm the captain of my soul. I can't, who, who's written that poem? Mandela? I don't know. I don't know who it was. Anyway, I'm the captain of my soul. It's kind of this whole thing that I'm the one who ultimately calls the shots in my life. I'm the one who's in charge. I'm the one who's ultimately on the throne of my own life. And when you become a Christian, you're going, actually, no, I realize I'm not. I'm not the ultimate authority on anything, really. And that there's God. And he displaces me from that place. And it's a good thing because I'm not made to live in that place. And so the kingdom of heaven, it has a, a future aspect to it. Your kingdom come, we're taught to pray by Jesus. It's a future deal, the coming kingdom. God, we heard that this morning, God will renew all things. There's a present aspect to it as well, though, and God's rule worked out in our lives as we live it out in the world, in the way that we follow Jesus, in the way that we love one another, the way that we care for those who are less fortunate than us. This is the kingdom coming. Every time we live out the words and the ways of Jesus in this world, it's his kingdom coming into the world. And it's a lifetime pursuit as well of this treasure. This kingdom of heaven is like treasure. It's like treasure. Seek first the kingdom, Jesus said. And so what motivates us to do that? If that's what Jesus said, make this a priority in your life, seeking the kingdom of God. God's ways, his works being worked out in the world through us. Make that a priority in your life, Jesus said. Well, what is going to motivate us for a lifetime of that? Joy's going to help, isn't it, Joan? It's spot on. We're going to get there. We prioritize his way of living. It's the promise of treasure. It's the promise of this treasure, this life-changing treasure that leads to freedom. Quoting that woman, she said, it leads to freedom, this thing. It's going to change my life. Well, some coins might help a little bit. But ultimate transformation, the change we're really looking for, what we're really looking for in life, the answers to our deepest needs, 
Where do we find that? Well, in verse 13, let's go to verse 13, the first part of it. Um, verse 44, rather. The man finds the treasure and he buries it. Do you ever kind of read the Bible and think, well, why? Why bury the treasure? You just found it. Why put it back in the ground again? Are you daft? I mean, what? You've just unearthed all these coins. So why did he bury the treasure? Well, you've got to understand in those days, there were no safes. There were no banks. There was nowhere to take the money. You weren't going to kind of lock it in your house. It was like, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to bury it again because that's probably the safest place for it. And it wasn't unusual to find buried treasure in ground because people would put their valuables there. Then they'd go off on a journey or something or they'd go to war and it wouldn't come back. And so, of course, there's going to be treasure in the ground. How many of you are now thinking, I think I might go and buy a, a metal detector this afternoon. <laughs> of course, there's going to be. These people are not daft to go treasure hunting. There's treasure there. Anyway, it was also to do with keeping it safe, but also this, he didn't own the field. So maybe he was working, I don't know, for the owner of the field. And whilst in Jewish law, it said, apparently it said that the, if you discover treasure, it's yours. Um, maybe he didn't want the dispute with his owner. Well, actually, you were working on my behalf. You were digging in my behalf and you found treasure and all the rest of it. He didn't want that. So he thought, well, what I'll do, I'll bury it and then I'll buy the field myself. And that's what he does. He buries the treasure. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this. You're going through life and then you sort of... You hit something. You know, it's at that moment in films and things like that, isn't it? When they are digging for treasure and they're going down and down. And suddenly you get that sort of clunk sound with the spade on top of the treasure chest or whatever it is. And you're like, oh, they found it. Didn't think they were going to find it. They found the treasure. Jesus' kingdom of heaven is like that. And whether we're seeking it deliberately, i.e., I've just got to find out about God. I've got to find out about Jesus. Or whether we kind of stumble over it. And it surprises us that, wow, I just wasn't expecting to find treasure here. And you might be thinking that in times of church and Jesus. And you might be here this morning going, actually, I've just kind of come along and I really don't know. And, and just maybe you might stumble over the most amazing treasure in the world ever. Because the Bible says the greatest treasure is found in Jesus. The most valuable that we could, things that we could ever seek for is found in Jesus. Colossians 2 verse 3 says, in Christ... All the treasures, that means storehouses, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. And I love the way the Bible hangs together as well, the Old, the New Testament, and how it all kind of intermeshes and so on. Because in the Old Testament, in, I think it's in Proverbs, um, Proverbs 2, verse 1 to 8, it talks about searching for wisdom as treasure. It says, search for wisdom as hidden treasure. Discover it. Talks about discovering that treasure. And I wonder if that's what Jesus was thinking back to. And, 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 and where do we find the ultimate wisdom of God? Jesus. He is the wisdom of God personified in the world. He's the one who points us to, he brings us to the knowledge of God. If you've seen me, you've seen God. That's what Jesus said. He is the treasure that we're seeking. These little thrills that we get in all these other areas of life when we discover something, they, they fade quickly, don't they? You know, when you buy something new, oh, I'm quite happy about it. I've got something I like. How quickly does it fade? And suddenly that thing that you once was like, oh, I'm looking forward to getting this. You've had it for a while and it's dull and it's just like sitting on the corner, whatever. Things just dull. Well, Jesus doesn't dull. This is a treasure that doesn't grow dull. But it's also a treasure that's unexpected as well. Um, in, in who Jesus is and what he's done. Let me just read you a little bit. from This is a guy called Mike Reeves. I mean, an excellent book called Christ Our Life. If you want a, a guy who's able to communicate uh, rich theology 
I think in good language and not too complex, although it might be a bit wordy, I realize that. But he talks about Jesus like this because he's, it's like you come across this treasure and you go, really? That's there? He says this, would you have ever thought that a man dying on a cross was the definition of love? Yet this is how we know what love is. Would you have ever looked at the miscarriage of justice that was his trial and imagined there above all is displayed the perfect justice of God? Yet God did it to demonstrate his justice. Would you have ever dreamt that the Almighty would make the definitive display of his power there, nailed to a cross between common criminals? There seems to be nothing powerful about that man in the throes of death. Yet, hanging there, he's crushing the head of the serpent, talking about evil Satan, tying up the strong man, driving out the prince of the world, destroying death, putting the spiritual powers to open shame and triumphing over them. On the cross, we see true, pure power used as it should be to bless. It's a little bit wordy, I guess, but do you get it? It's in the most unlikely place in the cross, this man hanging on a cross, looking weak, looking messed up, that the greatest treasure is hanging there. So don't walk past. And then it says this, that, that from joy, this joy of knowing the forgiveness that we have in Christ, the grace that's available to us, all the stuff we've been singing about this morning, what Jesus has done for us, that I could, I mean, just read the Gospels for yourself. Read the stories of Jesus and how he interacts with people, how he interacts with the woman who's, who's a bit of an outcast and really shouldn't be there. And yet she's there in the room with Jesus and she's washing her, his feet with her tears and, and, and all this. And, and Jesus is like, look, she's been forgiven much. She's loving much. Beautiful grace there. And these beautiful treasures we have in Jesus. And then he says, from joy, from this place, the man goes and sells the field and sells all he has and buys the field. And this is just so important that the motivation for the Christian life is to, isn't to impress God or get in God's good books. It's from joy. It's because we're so enamored with the treasure that it leads to giving everything we have. And it's really important that it's that way around, that it's from joy. It's not from duty. It's not from ought to's. It's not from should-dos, and not because I've been asked, not because that person might, oh, what they think of me. It's from joy. From joy, he sells everything. From joy. It's discovery before decisions. Grace before works. Receiving before giving. Wonder before work. Joy before sacrifice. And gift before cost. Yeah, really important. That we keep reminding ourselves of that and leaning into the treasure. See, treasure, treasure does have a powerful pull. It's a little bit like um, I was thinking, like of a planet, like with the moon going around. Don't we? You know, our, our, the planet Earth exerts a pull on the moon, and the moon orbits the Earth. That's how it works. I've got that right. Yeah, that's what treasure is like. It exerts a pull over us. And we use that phrase, don't we? Um, that um, the, 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 um, our lives revolve around things. Sometimes people ask the question, what does your life revolve around? In other words, what has the greatest pull on your life? 
What is the thing that makes the most, exerts the most power, as it were, on your decision making? What is it that exerts the most power on the way that you handle your relationships? How you do your work? How you speak to people? What is it? And Jesus says, our treasure is the thing. And he's that treasure. And, when he, and it's like that. We get in his orbit. And our lives revolve around him. It is that treasure, who Jesus is, exerts power into our lives by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So what's your life revolving around? It's Jesus. He is the word. Absolutely. You see, the disciples saw something in Jesus. And yes, it cost them everything. They say, we've left everything to follow you. But there's joy that's there, isn't there? It's not a begrudging thing because they've got hold of the treasure first. That's why we spend time worshipping. That's why we spend time this morning reminding ourselves at the beginning it was great to do that. We hadn't decided to do that. But it's lovely the way God steers things in. Just, just giving thanks to God for the things he's done is, is focusing on the treasure. Allowing him to exert the, the power in our lives. And yes, we sacrifice. Yes, we give. Yes, we serve. Yes, we do all of those things. And let me tell you, even if you're not a Christian, you're thinking, actually, we will sacrifice to the things that are treasure in our lives. Whether it's time, whether it's money, relationships even, we sacrifice those for things that we think will bring us joy, security, peace, and happiness. We do sacrifice for those things in all sorts of ways. So we all do this. The question is, what is our treasure going to be, really? And who can be the treasure that can bring us most life, as it were, and the freedom that that couple were looking for? They're not going to find it in a house. They're going to be disappointed at some point, I think. So where's your treasure? And is Jesus it? And then there's this beautiful, just finally, this power of this treasure to help us persevere as well. You see, treasure causes us to wonder. I imagine when they got the coins out of the ground, when they looked at the coins, they went, wow. When they're in the boot of their car, five million coins worth. They didn't know it was worth five million then, but five million. I think it was going back. What day was it? About a thousand years old, um, this treasure. I bet they were like, wow. They were wondering at it. And wonder carries power as well. Wonder is like a feeling of amazement, of admiration, often caused by something beautiful and remarkable. I was at a, this is, a, this is the place I didn't expect to kind of hear this, but I was at, recently at a conference with a whole bunch of scientists in Cambridge, and these are like top-level scientists, PhDs coming out of their ears. And one of the um, lectures was on beauty and the motivational power of beauty in scientists' lives. Interesting. I thought, wow, this is fascinating. And and it said this, this is one of the reports, this was done in four countries, um, this survey among scientists. It said 50% of scientists said encountering beauty in their scientific work helps me to persevere when I experience difficulties or failure in my work. Encountering beauty in their scientific work helps them keep going and not give up when they experience difficulties or failure in their work. That's the power of discovering something that is beautiful, that you wonder at, that is treasure. How much more Jesus? When you're facing difficulties and failures and hardships and you don't want to go on. Man, if this is normal in the world, in all these things, how much more 
When you understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you. When you look at the cross, when you consider him who endured opposition from sinful men, that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How much more? If you're in that place, consider him. Don't try and pull your socks up. Don't try and conjure up joy because I better be happy because I'm in church now. Better smile. People might think I'm not a Christian. No, it's fix your eyes on him. On Jesus, contemplate the cross, contemplate what he's done for you, contemplate who he is. When we do that, the joy comes. We'll serve and it won't be drudgery, but it'll be joyful. And let's keep leaning into him. Christ is the treasure that delivers what we really need. He's the treasure that truly transforms and brings freedom. And he's the treasure that is worth revolving our entire lives around. Yeah? And as we do that, yes, we'll give everything. We'll do this other stuff. But let's let it flow from that place. I know you know this. But we've got to keep leaning into it, haven't we? And keep being reminded of. Shall we stand, please? And uh, let's end by singing again and centering on the treasure that is Christ. And this one encourages, don't settle with what you know either. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. I'm sure some of those who are a bit older than me <laughs> will say this is true. I've been a Christian 25 years. And, and, and you never stop discovering new stuff about Jesus. It's not that it's totally kind of like, you're like a coin. Well, I've seen a coin before. I know what a coin is. Yeah, but this coin, look at it this way. Understand this about it. And like, oh, wow. And it's like that with Jesus. I would encourage you, don't stop after the third coin, the fourth coin, the fifth coin. Imagine if Adam and Lisa had done that. They got five coins. And they go, right, we've got some coins. I'm happy. You happy? I'm happy. Let's go home. But they've missed so much. Keep seeking, Jesus said. Keep seeking. Keep leaning into. Keep reading the Bible. Keep chewing it over in community groups and with one another. Because he's the greatest treasure. And Lord Jesus, I want to pray, Lord, because I can speak these words, Lord, but only you can kind of, I don't know, cause them to go deeply into our hearts. And we do like the disciples saying, please open this up to us and, 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 and bring fruit through our lives because of it as well, because of the treasure that you are. All the treasures of God are found in you, of wisdom and knowledge of God, to know what you're like. You want to know what you're like, God? We look at Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit, just deepen this in our hearts. And maybe for those here who are just seeking, asking, looking, saying, is there a God? What's he like? Well, Lord, I pray that you'd just help to cause to, I don't know, just open things up to each one of our understandings, really, and those that are still seeking after you as well. But also never let us grow kind of, um, like, oh, we found a coin, and be content with that, as it were. But you say, keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking. And we keep doing those things that you said and discovering more and more treasure about you. Keep blowing us away with it, causing us to wonder that leads to a motivation of giving and serving and loving and doing all the things we do. But please, may it keep coming from that place of treasure and knowing you. Amen.